Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Matthew chapter 12, verse 28 tells us that Jesus worked his miracles by the Spirit of God. And most of all, we're told in 1 Peter 3.18 that Jesus was resurrected by the Spirit. It says in 1 Peter 3.18 that he was made alive by the Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit has validated the entire ministry of Jesus Christ from his conception all the way through his resurrection. The Holy Spirit has validated Jesus. As Pastor Dan continues his teaching series through the book of 1 John, he'll be reminding you that there is a very real enemy to your soul, the devil. Jesus himself was tempted by the devil in the wilderness and didn't sin. Jesus continuously spent time in prayer with the Father and was guided by the Holy Spirit. The only way you could possibly overcome the devil and temptation is by handing over the battle to the Lord. You must abide in Jesus the vine and allow the Holy Spirit to empower you. And now, open your Bibles to the book of 1 John chapter 5 as we join Pastor Dan for today's edition of Ring of Truth. Jesus had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him, and suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So as Jesus is baptized, he comes up out of the water. The heavens open up. The Holy Spirit, it says, descends like a dove upon him. Uh, It doesn't say the Holy Spirit was a dove. Sometimes it's depicted that way in children's books or in movies about Jesus. We see like this dove come down upon him. It says it was was like a dove, but it wasn't a a dove. It was like a dove, meaning that it was was gentle. The way the Holy Spirit came upon him, it came upon him. Uh, gently doesn't say it came down upon him like a turkey vulture or like a screaming eagle that chased him all around kind of thing and knocked him over came down like a dove it's gentle and we don't know what that looked like but we do know that those that were there could see it happen whatever it looked like they, they could see it because john talks about elsewhere in the gospel of john he talks about how he saw the spirit descending upon Jesus. So he could, they could see it. The people that are standing there could see the heaven open. They could see the Holy Spirit come down somehow upon Jesus. And then there's this voice from heaven. God himself speaks audibly, and the people that are there can hear it. And what does God say? This is my son. This is my son. 
So God the Father, God himself, declared that Jesus is the Son of God. So you've got that testimony. You've got that witness. Go back to 1 John chapter 5. You also have the witness of the blood, it says. John said that Jesus came by water and by blood. Water refers to his baptism. The blood refers to his crucifixion. You know, remember, the, the Romans crucified Jesus, and the Romans crucified thousands of people, but no crucifixion was ever like Jesus' crucifixion. Turn to Mark chapter 15, and we'll look at that. If you remember the story of the crucifixion, when Jesus was on the cross, there were, there were crowds there that were mocking him and ridiculing him and saying, you saved others, why don't you save yourself? If you really are the Son of God, why don't you come down off the cross, right? And then suddenly we're told, in Mark chapter 15, verse 33, suddenly at the sixth hour, when the sixth hour had come, meaning noon, so it's the middle of the day, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, until 3 p.m. And so darkness suddenly, as they're mocking him and ridiculing him and mocking him, suddenly it just goes dark at noon. And here, the word darkness, it's, it's not referring to like, it's not saying it got darker or that it got shady or that it became overcast. It's not talking about like an eclipse or something like that. It's not, no, it's not that. This word darkness, it, it's, it's the word that's used to refer to like the middle of the night type darkness. Pitch black at noon. So all of a sudden lights go out. Sun disappears from the sky. And it stays that way for three hours from noon to 3 p.m. And you have to imagine, too, there's no electricity. So it's not like they could just flip on a light. This is darkness, darkness. This is total darkness. There's no street lights. It's really dark. For three hours, it's like that. That's a, that's a really long time. And in that kind of darkness, you, you, know, you don't move because <laughs> you can't see anything. You just kind of stay put. And it's completely dark for three hours. And then after three hours of darkness and silence, nobody's making fun of him or ridiculing him now. They're terrified. Suddenly, after three hours, at the ninth hour, in this darkness, they hear Jesus cry out, piercing the darkness, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is translated, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? First verse of Psalm 22. So all of their minds would have gone to Psalm 22, which describes the crucifixion in detail. And then it says, they hear that, and then some of those who stood by, these are the people that were just mocking him before. When they heard that, they said, look, he's calling Elijah. And then someone ran and filled a sponge full of sour wine and put it on a reed and offered it to him to drink, saying, and, and saying, let him alone. Let, let us see if Elijah will come to take him down. And Jesus cried out with a loud voice and breathed his last breath. And then the veil of the temple was torn out in two from top to bottom, not from bottom to top, but from top to bottom. The veil was, uh, it said that it was a hand, the veil was a hand's breadth and width. So it's the, the thickness of the fabric was the width of your hand. This is several inches thick, you know, several stories high. And it's torn from top to bottom in that moment when he dies on the cross. Matthew's gospel also tells us that there was a great earthquake at that same time. And then look at verse 39. 
this Roman centurion, so he's not a Jew, he's not a believer. He becomes a, you know, he seems to become a believer after this. But he's a pagan. He's a pagan. But the Roman centurion who stood opposite him saw that. He cried out like this and breathed his last. And the Roman centurion said, truly, this man was the son of God. (laughs) A pagan sees it. This guy was the son of God, truly the son of God. And so you have... You have the extraordinary events of Jesus' baptism that testify that he's the Son of God. You have the extraordinary events of his crucifixion that testifies that he is the Son of God. And go back to 1 John chapter 5, verse 6. We're never going to get through this passage. <laughs> and it says in verse 6, It is the Spirit who bears witness, because the Spirit is truth. Right? The Spirit is truth. Jesus called the Spirit the Spirit of truth. He said when this Holy Spirit comes, the Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth. The Holy Spirit doesn't guide us into falsehood. The Holy Spirit doesn't uh, deceive us. The Holy Spirit doesn't guide us into confusion about Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit guides us into the truth. And he says here, the Holy Spirit bears witness also that Jesus is the Son of God. Now, we don't have the time to go through all of the examples in the Gospels of the Holy Spirit bearing witness of Jesus Christ. But I'll just give you a list for you if you're a note taker. Uh, Jesus Christ was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Luke chapter 1, verse 35. Remember when the angel appeared to Mary and the angel told Mary when, when, that she would have this child and she said, how can it be? I've never known a man. And the angel said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And so Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Uh, The Holy Spirit came upon Jesus at his baptism. We saw that in Matthew chapter 3. So Jesus was baptized in water. Then he's baptized by the Holy Spirit. And then we're told in Luke chapter 4 that he went forth from his baptism in the power of the Holy Spirit. Luke chapter 4 verse 14. So Jesus began his ministry in the power of the Holy Spirit. Matthew chapter 12, verse 28, tells us that Jesus worked his miracles by the Spirit of God. And most of all, we're told in 1 Peter 3.18 that Jesus was resurrected by the Spirit. It says in 1 Peter 3.18 that he was made alive by the Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit has validated the entire ministry of Jesus Christ from his conception all the way through his resurrection. The Holy Spirit has validated Jesus. Plus, there's the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives, where the Holy Spirit uh, convicts us of sin and righteousness and judgment. The Holy Spirit testifies to us that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that He's the Savior of the world and that we need to put our faith in Jesus Christ. So you've got the witness of the Holy Spirit as well. Now, that brings us to verse 7. And if you have a newer translation, like a New Living Translation, an NIV ESV, a New American Standard Bible, uh, verse 7 does not appear in your Bible, or it's found maybe in the margin notes, or at the bottom of the page, or it's in parentheses, or there's some kind of little asterisk there. And that's because of a a different set of manuscripts. The Alexandrian manuscripts were used for those newer translations uh, than were used for the King James and the New King James. It does appear in the King James. It does appear in the New King James. And I'm using the New King James Bible here. 
Uh, If you don't have verse 7 in your Bible, you have one of those newer translations and you don't have verse 7, hey, give me a King James or give me a new King James. I want verse 7 there. Pastor Dan will have more to share from today's Ring of Truth study in just a moment. But right now, we'd like to invite you to worship with us this Sunday morning. Here's Pastor Dan to tell you a little more. I heard recently that many people who listen to Christian radio are not part of a local church. Hey, if that's you, I'd like for you to join us this weekend as our guest at Calvary Chapel located in Columbia, Maryland. The teachings you've enjoyed here on Ring of Truth are from messages I've shared with the congregation at Calvary Chapel. We have two meeting times on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. You can find out more and get directions at our website, calvaryec.com. That's calvaryec.com. Now let's get back to today's message on Ring of Truth. For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, which is Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. The Father bears witness that Jesus is the Son of God. We saw that at the baptism. Jesus himself, of course, uh, he declared he was the Son of God, and the Spirit bears witness that Jesus is the Son of God. The entire Godhead bears witness that Jesus is the Son of God. And these three are one. These three are in agreement in their testimony. Remember we saw in the Old Testament, a a matter is established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. And you've got the witness of the entire Godhead, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And their testimony agrees that Jesus is the Son of God. So that brings us to verse 8. And there are three that bear witness on the earth, the Spirit, the water, And the blood. And these three agree also as one. So these are in agreement that Jesus is is the Son of God. Now look at verse 9. If we receive or believe the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God which he has testified of his Son. John says here, We believe the testimony of men, right? I mean, you believe the testimony of men. And John says, Well, God's testimony is greater than the testimony of any man because God is truth. God cannot lie. God cannot be wrong. God cannot make a mistake. His testimony is right. His testimony is trustworthy. You can't say that about the testimony of man. Not all the time. There are many in the world that simply reject the testimony of God and believe the testimony of of men. And that shouldn't surprise us. It shouldn't surprise us that the world rejects the testimony of God and accepts the testimony of man because Jesus said that that man loves darkness rather than light and man is bent toward rebellion against God and rebellion against God's authority, a rebellion against God's word. The Bible says every man turns to his his own ways and turns away from God's ways. So it doesn't surprise us that man would reject the truth of God and believe the lies of man in its place. We should expect that, because that's what the Bible said. What is surprising, though, what is shocking, is that Christians will reject the testimony of God and believe the testimony of man in place of the testimony of God. I get it that the world rejects it. I get it that the world doesn't believe God's testimony. That makes sense. I don't get it when Christians, people who name the name of Christ, when they reject the testimony of God and believe the testimony of man instead of God. You know, God God says, I created the heavens and the earth in six days. 
And man says, no, it just kind of came into existence spontaneously. And people believe that instead of believing God's testimony. God says, I created man in my image. And man says, no, we evolved from apes. God's testimony is, I alone am God and there is no other but me. Man says, well, there are many gods and they're all, they're all equal. It doesn't really matter what God you believe in as long as you're sincere in what you believe. God says, my word is truth. A man says, uh, well, what is true for one person may not be true for another person. Truth is relative and, and all truth is equal. And so we should treat all, all truth as, as equal. No one has a monopoly on truth. God says, anything that's contrary to my word is sin. And man says, as long as what you're doing makes you happy, there's nothing wrong with it. And you should be free to do it. And man would say, God understands and accepts everyone. God says that after this life, there's a judgment and there are two destinations, heaven and hell. And man says, after this life, everybody goes to heaven. As long as you're a good person, you get to go to heaven. God accepts everyone. God says there's only one way to be saved, and that's through faith in Jesus Christ. Man says all roads lead to God. And it doesn't matter if you're a Christian or a Muslim or a Buddhist or a humanist or whatever you believe. As long as you're sincere in that belief and you're a kind person, you're good. See, people, people choose to believe the testimony of men instead of the testimony of God. And again, what's shocking to me is that there are many Christians who choose the testimony of men over the testimony of God. And look at verse 10. John tells us in verse 10, if we choose the testimony of men over the testimony of God, we make God a liar. We're saying God is lying to us when God tells us that. We're saying that God is a deceiver, that he's not to be trusted. Or for the Christian, uh, for the Christian, who rejects part of the testimony of God and believes the testimony of man. For the Christian who believes the gospel but rejects another part of God's testimony. You know, for that person, you know, it's the person who's saying, you know, I'm a Christian, but I don't believe this to be true about about God. I'm a Christian, but I don't believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. I believe all faiths lead to God. I'm a Christian, but I, I don't believe in hell. I don't believe God would send somebody to hell. That, that person is essentially saying, I believe what God says about salvation, but I think he's lying to me on these other things. That's what John's saying. But just think about that. <laughs> think about if someone said that to you. I believe what you're saying to me here, but I think you're a liar here. And for the Christian who, who does that with the word of God, for the Christian who does that, what do you think God thinks about that? You know, I want you to save me. I want to go to heaven when I die. But, but otherwise, I think you're a liar and I don't trust you. Not to mention uh, the trouble that creates for us theologically. If, if he's lying about one thing in the Bible, who's to say he's not lying about salvation through Jesus Christ? Or his atonement for our sins. If he's lying to us about creation and deceiving us about evolution. Or if he's lying to us about Jesus being the only way. Well, who's to say he's not lying about the gospel? You see where this can go? You can't, you, you can't pick and choose what you're going to believe. The Bible says every word of God is true. That's either a true statement or it's a lie. It says that every word of God is yes and amen. That's either true or it's a lie. 
it says that it's impossible for God to lie in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18. That's either true or it's a lie. And for the person who says, well, I don't believe this, you're calling God a liar, is what John says. It's not what I say, but it's what John says. And I agree with John. Now look at verse 11, and we'll try to finish up here. Here's the testimony that God gives about Jesus Christ. Here's the testimony that God gives about Jesus Christ. You ready for it? And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son of God does not have life. I love those verses. They're so plain and so clear. God offers us eternal life through Jesus Christ. The Bible says that we were all dead in our trespasses and sins and that we all deserve God's judgment, but God loves us so much that he left heaven, he became a man, he died on that cross in our place, he took our punishment for us to offer us eternal life, to give us eternal life. Now, Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We deserve death, we deserve judgment, but God offers us the free gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We don't have to earn it, we don't have to work for it, you don't have to do 100 push-ups or 50 pull-ups. He offers it to you as a free gift. You just have to simply receive it, receive Jesus Christ and you have eternal, eternal life. And in verse 12, again, he makes it so simple and so clear. He who has the Son, who has put their faith in Jesus Christ, they have eternal life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. It's that plain. If you have the Son, you have life. If you do not have the Son today, you do not have life. And as you're sitting there, you know whether you have the Son or not. You know it. You know if you have uh, turned your life to Jesus Christ. You know if you've put your trust in Him. You know if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ or not. Uh, you know if, if, you have, um, if you're walking with Him closely or not. You know if He is your Lord or not. You, you know it. He who has the Son has life, and he who does not have the Son of God does not have life. If you don't have the Son, you don't have life, but you can. And it's as simple as putting your faith in Jesus Christ. He asked me how I know, and I say, brings truer than the finest crystal. The book of 1 John invites followers of Jesus into a consistently growing relationship with our Heavenly Father. The Christian walk isn't meant to stagnate, no matter how long you've been pursuing your relationship. There's always more to discover about your almighty creator and more ways in which he can refine your heart. As you've done already today by joining Pastor Dan for Ring of Truth, we encourage you to continue spending time in the Word regularly. We also urge you to make conversation with God a regular part of your routine as well, praying and listening to what your Heavenly Father wants to say to you. And know that here at Ring of Truth, we're also praying for you. We're so glad you joined us today, and we'd like to invite you to visit us here at Calvary Chapel. If you live in the Baltimore, Washington area, come worship with us this Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. 
Calvary Chapel is located in Columbia, Maryland, only minutes from Route 95, Route 29, or Route 100. For more information on what you can expect when you visit, go to calvaryec.com. Or give us a call. We can be reached at 410-491-4592. That's 410-491-4592. That's all for today. Join us next time for more right here on Ring of Truth. Good night.